This is the Frogcast. everyone and welcome to the Frogcast. This is a special edition. We are excited to uh, have a conversation tonight about the big commitment of four-star quarterback Justin Rogers out of Bossier City, Louisiana. The Frogs have been reaching into the boot for a few years, but it looks like we have really stepped up our recruiting game. Justin Rogers is a big commit, not only of what he brings, but who he might bring with him. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about recruiting landscape. We're going to talk TCU baseball as we host the regional, probably the most stacked regional that we've ever seen. That and a whole lot more on this episode of the Frogcast. Jeremy, Jeremiah, Daniel, Jeff Mitchell here. I am excited to announce, as we just said, that Justin Rogers has committed to TCU. Four-star quarterback out of Bossier City, Louisiana. I know the board has been counting this down for weeks. I know Jeremiah has been counting it down on Twitter for the month of Justin. But, Jeremy, you have been on this story along with Jeremiah from the beginning. I know that we got a lot to talk about about the event of his commitment as well as moving forward to what it means. But take us back to when this whole thing started because this commitment was built on relationships. Tell us how TCU was able to land Justin Rogers from the first time they interacted with him over a year ago. Well, they offered May, and it was one of the the top quarterbacks on their list from the very beginning, and they let them know that. I mean, it, it, they offered, uh, of course, Cameron Rising, Justin Rogers, um, Kosin Yankoff. I mean, they had some top priority guys, but after looking at Justin for a while, they knew Justin was really the guy that the whole staff wanted. Uh, he's an athletic quarterback. He doesn't like to be called a dual threat guy, even though he can make plays with his feet, but the one thing that Justin had always kind of told myself and Jeremiah and even uh, on the phone when we see him out in person at the camps, wherever we've seen him is Tissue just did a great job of not only recruiting him, but really recruiting the family. Um, they recruited the mom big time. They recruited the dad big time, uh, the brother. Everyone really fell in love with that family aspect that TCU was really selling. And, and they've been doing a great job of selling the family atmosphere for as long as I can remember covering the team. But, uh, you know, one thing that I think really stood out um, to Justin and his family was his relationship with Sonny Cumbie. And as you guys know, I've said it a couple times, I don't know if there's a, a really more genuine coach in college football than Sonny Cumbie. And, and when he talks about wanting to take a job and making sure he can have Sundays off to go to church with his family and, and uh, you know, have that time to, to spend – uh, with his family inside church, I mean that's that was important to him, and and that's one of the funny things that, you know, Justin had uh, mentioned before is that Coach Cumby actually had a Bible on his desk, and he'd never seen that at, at another coaching, uh, for another coach in, in anywhere else that was recruiting him. So that was uh, pretty important to him, and kind of kind of proves that you know what TCU selling about being a Christian based school and and being a family atmosphere. Um, it was all uh, what Justin needed to see, and you know it's a it's a huge, huge commitment for the frogs tonight. A lot of frog fans should be excited for this one. You know, it seemed as the as the month moved on and his commitment date uh, just got closer and closer. 
all the crystal balls started to flow in to TCU, even sites like LSU and North Carolina that I know uh, saw themselves in the running. Justin said they were in the running down there towards the end. Everything just kind of converged and it became just obvious to all of us that Justin Rogers was going to commit to TCU. Now this crystal ball is one of the cool aspects at 24 seven where, you know, writers are able to kind of put their prediction in and say, uh, kind of point people's direction of recruits that might be leaning towards the school. You got a pretty good story about how Justin uh, came to you and had a question about the crystal ball and how that came about. Share, share that with us. Yeah, that was pretty funny. I remember it like yesterday and, and it's, it, I messaged that message that he sent to me um, a year ago, the other day to him. And it was pretty funny because he replied right away and said, I remember that. Thank you. You know, I wished him best of luck in his decision, and everything else. But it was funny because he asked about why is everyone predicting me to go to LSU? And so I explained to him, this is how the crystal ball works. This is, this is just a prediction of knuckleheads that follow recruiting. And, and uh, we're just figuring since you're the top guy in Louisiana, most kids in Louisiana do end up going to Louisiana state. And uh, he asked me, uh, I asked him, I said, if you wanted me to change it to anything, any other school, I'll be glad to. And he said, change mine to TCU. And uh, that was over a year ago. So he's been thinking TCU for a really long time. It's not something that LSU is just, uh, you know, he wasn't, he was considering LSU and just started recently considering TCU. TCU's been in the front for over a year now. Um, they did a great job, like I said, with Sonny Combe selling the family. And now that you've had quarterbacks like Foster Sawyer and Brendan Wooten transfer out of the program, he's going to be able to come in right away. He's going to sign in December, uh, get here in uh, the spring of 2018, and possibly be the backup to Sean Robinson or even compete for the starting job for next year. I mean, you couldn't ask for a better, better fit for him off the field and on the field, uh, especially for a four-star quarterback. That's one of the top quarterbacks in the country. You know, one of the things that coach Patterson talked about when we first joined the pick big 12 was it's going to take a few years to adjust. And he, you know, I know we kind of had that breakout season in 14 as well as 11 wins and 15, but even when we were exceeding on the field, it, it just felt like recruiting still had another step or two or maybe even three to take. How do you grade the impact of, of this commitment in terms of elevating TCU recruiting? Because I know every every, every fan base uh, thinks their school doesn't recruit enough. I love watching LSU fans. I've been reading their board, be frustrated with their recruiting this cycle. I think they have like the number three class in the country and they're not happy with the recruiting. But for Frog fans that have kind of you know grown as we, if, if we watch the program grow, what impact does this do in terms of elevating TCU to a whole nother level of recruiting? Well, kind of what you mentioned there, Jeff, is that the it, people don't realize how good recruiting is getting for TCU. I mean, ever since they've joined the Big 12, they've consistently gone up. And you're talking about a school that was, what, around the 50s or 60s every recruiting cycle, and now they're consistently in the 20s and 30s. Um, so recruiting is going up. But you know, get a guy like Justin Rogers, who is one of the top players in Louisiana. He's third, third overall player according to our uh, composite rankings that's going to be a big boost. I think it's going to be a big boost. Um, TCU's always done a great job recruiting the boot, but I think they'll do an even better job now because he's got a lot of connections down there. He's got a lot of play good players that are really good friends of his. Um, one of the best in the country, Terrace Marshall, top five, uh, five-star receiver, top receiver in the country. That's one of his best friends, his teammate. So you immediately have that type of impact that you, that you can get a player like that. But just his overall commitment. It kind of reminds me of what Sean did last year. Sean Robinson was a big time commitment when he 
uh, not at last year, but the year before when he actually committed before his senior season when he was a five-star. But it, Justin's impact, I think, will be a little bit more just because it's going to give the Frogs an even better chance to go out and get some of those higher-ranked players in Louisiana, whereas in some years past, those guys would end up going to LSU. But um, that's my opinion on it. I know Jeremiah has kind of around the same, same opinion on um, the type of impact I think they could have. Yeah, I mean, I, I look at this. It's, it's a huge get for TCU, obviously, uh, just landing Justin Rogers. But I even did a story here a couple weeks ago about the impact uh, that Justin Rogers could have on the TCU recruiting class. And it can't be undersold. You know, um, I, too, have read some of the LSU boards and some different I, – I read multiple boards every day. And one thing I I noticed, even though to the ones that conceded Justin Rogers to TCU, they said, well, it's not like he's going to pull all the top guys in Louisiana with him. Well, he probably won't. But if you take six or eight of the top 30 players in Louisiana, I mean, you're talking about elite players. And if TCU can get anywhere from six to eight top 30 Louisiana guys every year, put that with 10 to 15 top 100 Texas players, I mean, you, what else do you need? I mean, right there, you're putting together a classic and compete with anybody in the country. And I think what Justin's going to do is uh, there's going to be, I think you're going to see some more uh, action here in the next few weeks. Uh, there's some guys that are real close to committing, and uh, he's he's already been communicating with these guys for a while. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see a couple more guys jump on board here pretty soon. Well, without stealing anybody's thunder and, and not jumping or stepping on a story, um, take us inside a couple of names from Louisiana that we don't know that might be on the radar. I know a lot of us know the guys in Texas high school football. You know, we go out and see some of them on Friday night. Maybe we watch them on Fox Sports Southwest during the playoffs. Who are some guys from the boot that Justin Rogers realistically could bring with him and what positions do they play and the impact they could have for the Frogs? One of the guys you need to keep an eye on is going to be Eddie Smith. Um, he's a cornerback. He's six foot, uh, right around 180 pounds. He's a little underrated right now. Uh, he's a three-star, um, but he's been getting some pretty impressive offers as of late. He's a super athletic kid. Um, I'm just going to tell you, we've heard through uh, multiple sources that this is a guy that could be really close to pulling the trigger. And uh, he would be a, an impact-type defensive back. He's got, he's got an edge to him. If you watch his film, he plays with an attitude. Um, he's, he's got great size and really good speed. And he, he just, I mean, he's a really athletic kid. Um, that's one to, to keep an eye on. Uh, another one is there's actually two more guys to keep an eye on. They're actually committed to LSU right now. And uh, you want to talk about TCU making some noise. Not only are they going in there and taking the top quarterback, out of Louisiana and head-to-head win over LSU, but they could actually flip a couple of LSU commitments. Now, if you would have told me that happened, you know, a few years ago, I would have said you're crazy and they're, they're Louisiana guys, but um, Ardarius Washington is a safety. Um, he's a smaller guy. He's 5'8 and 175 pounds, but just put on his film and, and watch that guy fly to the ball and he's physical and he's athletic and, and the TCU coaches absolutely love him. They, they think he's a really, really good player. And the other one to watch the LSU commit is, is uh, Micah Baskerville, the, the linebacker. Now, he's listed as a middle linebacker. He's 6'4", 215. He, I like his film. I think he moves really well, but he might outgrow linebacker. He might end up being a defensive end. I don't know. Um, I'm not sure exactly where TCU likes him, but I know those guys grew up with Justin along with Eddie. Um, there's, there's, a, there's a handful of other guys that he's, he's really close with there. 
And uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see all those guys jump on board. Jamar Chase was another one, the receiver, um, out of Bishop Rummel. Um, I think I'm saying that maybe Rommel. I'm not sure how you say that. If you're in Louisiana, you say it one way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> work on your but Cajun, boy. I need to. Come on, I, boy. I, I, ne- I definitely need to work on my Cajun accent. But um, Jamar Chase, the big physical uh, receiver, really, he's he's built more like a running back. He, he's almost 200 pounds at 6'1". Um, but he's a, a real physical guy that can go up and high point the ball. And uh, that'll be another one to watch here uh, soon. I, I think we're going to see a run on receivers here pretty soon because there's so many offers out. There's a lot of elite guys. And now with Justin on board, you could see a couple of those guys try to jump on board here pretty quick. Yeah. And the other guy that I think could be actually next is to uh, John Henry uh, out of Houston Lamar, the running back they just offered not too long ago. He's a versatile guy, probably more of a, a slot guy, kind of like Turpin. yeah, kind of like Turpin. A uh, real good film uh, is could probably stand to get five or six carries a game on some of those jet sweeps. But I think Henry, from what I've heard uh, from some pretty close, people pretty close to the situation, feel that he's going to be um, choosing TCU before long. Uh, right now, I, I believe that's his best offer on the table. And like Jeremiah said, the the receivers that they've got offered out to right now, Uzukanma, Tay Barber. Chapman, some of those uh, big guys that are, you know, filling TCU right now, I think they might go ahead and uh, get this process over with as well. Uh, yeah, I'm not saying it's going to be within the next week or two, but I think for sure it can go off into the next summer. Wow. You never know what's going to happen on the broadcast. My is, power uh, just went out. Your power went out? Yeah. yeah. We're still here. On. You got your battery going. We're good. Did We're going to keep did, rolling. Did you guys hear that great thunder? I did. I felt like I was at a Garth Brooks concert. Man, I, I, feel, I feel like I just said something wrong. <laughs> Are you Please there still? Gods. Yeah. Are you still there, Daniel? Oh, yeah. I'm fine. All right. Well, don't edit that out. That's the kind of stuff people pay good money for. So uh, one, one other quick name before we keep moving here. Uh, obviously, we're up against a, a hard deadline. Uh, Slade Bolden, what's your take on him? Are we going to be able to land him? Sorry, we got printers going off in the background too. This this is great <laughs> stuff right here. This um, is great. Do not edit this out. Slate Bolden. <laughs> Slate Bolden. Uh, you know, people we've talked to said that he's really close with Justin, and I know Rusty Burns has done a fantastic job recruiting him, and TCU is one of the first programs to offer. And ever since that, I mean, the kid has just absolutely blown up. He's gotten a ton of great offers out there, and uh, the one thing that you could say about TCU and uh, West Monroe is that Rusty Burns has a pretty good uh, grip out there with some of those uh, players. They've got uh, McFarland in years past. They've got uh, uh, Lathan in years past. Chucky, uh, Hunter. Chucky Hunter, Dennis Collins, who just signed as part of the mm-hmm. 2017 class. So uh, anytime a kid comes out of West Monroe and Rusty Burns is recruiting him, I like his chances. Well, and another thing to, to know about Slate is he's an excellent baseball player, too. Um, one of the things that stood out to him when he came in and visit, he actually came into TCU on a baseball visit as well. Um, he really hit it off with the coaching staff. He really loves the baseball program. Uh, when I asked him, you know, does that give TCU a leg up? Um, he said it did in a way, but more than anything, he's looking football comes first for him. So, if he went somewhere to play both sports, I think that gives t- obviously TCU and LSU kind of the, the they're the they're ahead of everybody else. Um, I'm not sure how much longer he's going to take to make a decision. You're probably looking at 
another couple months, month to month and a half, maybe two months before. He wants to make a decision before the season starts next gotcha. season. Um, but he's a guy that could play both sports, and, and I think TCU being so good at both sports has is going to have a big impact on his decision. Yeah, I'm I'm high on him too. I, I think he's one of the most underrated players in the in in this cycle. So I'm a big can fan I, of his. Can I ask a question real quick? I'm I'm actually nope. going to ask Jeremy this question because uh, I was thinking about this today. Is it possible that TC would take? I haven't just this popped into my head today. Slade Bolden and Tajon Henry would they? They're both listed as all-purpose backs, but would TC take both of it? Is it one of those first come first serve type deals? I think they'd end up taking both just because. Even though Slade's kind of an all-purpose back, he's bigger. You know, he yeah, you're right. He is bigger. Yeah, he has the same type of uh, of explosiveness, and you can never have enough explosive uh, slot guys. Now, let's say Slade Bolden and uh, Henry call up to commit, and they take them both. Where does that leave a guy like Tay Barber? You know, there's not. You got to look at those situations pretty closely because, as, as we've mentioned in the past. They've they've uh, not taken at least three commitments right now for yeah. this class because they feel um, pretty good about some other kids. And if you can get a guy like Slade Bolden and Henry, who they just offered, I mean, obviously, if they just offered, they're going to take his commit. Um, it's it's one of those deals where it's a lucky class. It's it's a full class. It's a full 25. They're going to have the ability to, to kind of go out and really uh, pick and choose who they want and it's it's going to be a fun next whatever 10 months 10 nine months nine ten months to follow this class yeah especially with december signing day we got that two-day window there in december that's going to make it uh twice as fun so we get two we get two signing days so that's going to make things interesting as we move towards the end of football season and into recruiting season with both seasons uh, kind of crammed in the middle there i'm not sure I'm, their fax machine will fire up in december i hope it does I hope so too. I hope so. I hope the power doesn't go out. So, <laughs> all right. I know that there's always good tidbits that are on the podcast uh, that don't even always make it to the board. That's why I encourage everybody to listen to this. Anything else from Justin Rogers commit uh, a recruitment or commitment that's worth sharing before we transition away from this. You're telling two old men to reach back in their memory file to. I'll, I'll, all right. Something. I'll just say that, you know, we've, we felt good about TC for quite a while. Um, you know, obviously, like others, we've seen the, the ups and downs of recruiting. We know how, you know, when you put too much hope into one guy and then it doesn't go your way, it can kind of be tough, tough pill to swallow. But, um, you know, we felt good about Justin. Um, the, the thing that I, I like is getting to, to know his mom throughout the process and talk to her and his brother and, and seeing how much of a fam- family, uh, it, how close of a family it really is. And, and how much of a family decision this was. Um, so it was really neat to see that. And, uh, you know, she's, she's on the board, her brother's on the, uh, his brother's on the board. Uh, they like to, uh, they like to get in there and, and, uh, listen and read. They like to listen to the podcast. So that's, that's a really neat element. Um, there was one more thing though. Um, I debated on if I was going to say this or not, but one of the things that was really interesting is, uh, Justin has a cousin that plays for LSU and, LSU. His name is Greedy Smith, and he's a, he's a defensive defensive back. Greedy Williams. Greedy Williams. Okay. My my fault. And you know when Jess was going through the process, he was talking to Greedy, and and Greedy didn't tell him to not come, but he just told him to make his own decision, and that you know he felt like 
Justin needed to go out there and, and, and look around, you know, and don't just come to LSU because he was there or because he was from Louisiana. He really needed to make the best decision for him. And, you know, that might make some LSU folks mad, but, you know, that's what family does. He's looking out for his family, and, and uh, he, I think he did Justin a favor uh, because, honestly, I think Justin's a much better fit at TCU than he ever would have been at LSU. And he might be just a little bit closer to home going to TCU instead of down to Baton Rouge. I mean, it's pretty pretty similar, the distance from Shreveport to Fort Worth, from Shreveport to Baton Rouge. Oh, so, yeah. I mean, it's, it's not like he's uh, – choosing to go to a school that's further away from home or anything like that. He's choosing because TCU had all the right things for him, plain and simple. It's, there's no sugarcoating it, nothing nothing uh, secret about it. Just uh, TCU out recruited the LSU for this one and North Carolina. Two things I want to say to wrap this section up. Number one, I remember when the Southwest Conference died. I'm really an old guy, me and Dan Jenkins. I remember when the Southwest Conference died. If you would have told me in 1997 – that just, you know, 20 years down the road, we would be out recruiting LSU after they had won two national championships and had hired a new coach whose sole resume was built on recruiting, that we would go right into Louisiana, take their number one quarterback, and then send their whole fan base into anxiety that we're going to draw this guy and that guy and this guy and then let their fans fight about that. That I would never have believed you. We have reached another level of recruiting that is going to be necessary to be competitive in the Big 12 going forward. Second thing is I want to give both of you guys a, an attaboy to Jeremy and Jeremiah. You guys were on top of this story. You never wavered. You had solid sources. I know you can't reveal the sources that you got, but you guys have great sources, and I'm just, I can't can't tell you how much I'm, I appreciate what you guys have done. Thank you. Recruiting has had some changes with the end of what we have known as satellite camps, but the Frogs are going to be hosting four big events on campus in June and July. Jeremy, I know that you will be out there. I'm hoping to get down there in July myself. Tell us a little bit about the camps, how it might be a little bit different than the past. Tell us what we might expect from Frogs uh, with uh, evaluations and such going on with kids being on campus. Well, yeah, the satellite camps no longer being around, it, it, it's kind of crazy. But, you know, colleges are still finding a way around it because now they're teaming up with some of these smaller schools, um, smaller FBS schools, um, some uh, FCS programs. Uh, TCU's first camp will be this Friday. It's actually going to be on campus. They'll have a uh, session in the morning for, uh, for their uh, offensive line, defensive line, linebackers, running backs. And then later on that evening, they – position camp, which this is a great way to set up things because get a better chance of evaluating kids. Uh, there's not 300 kids all typically it's about 120 to 150 at each camp, maybe a little for the, uh, offensive line, defensive line camp, but just a, a great setup. They'll be going to, uh, they'll be going to the, uh, uh, Houston there. Louisiana area for those satellite camps. I know they're uh, teaming up with uh, Rice on, and they're going to be teaming up with, I want to say, uh, uh, maybe Southeast Louisiana for uh, one of their camps down in Louisiana. But um, some of the coaches will be going out to uh, the West Coast for, uh, you know, just to watch some of those um, West Coast prospects out there. And, uh, you know, most of the camps are going to be at TCU this year, though. That's the one, that's the one downfall of not having satellite camps, obviously. In years past, they'd go out to Kilgore, they'd go down to Houston, Katy, Pearland, and uh, get a chance to see all those recruits up close. And now it's basically those recruits really have to go out and uh, visit some of those smaller schools and, and uh, just let TCU be there. 
things you cannot do is talk to those recruits while they're there. All they can do is just watch them. Thanks a lot, Harbaugh. That's all I got to say. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, let's switch gears here. We've got baseball. We've got a regional. We had a Big 12 tournament where we uh, fell in the semifinals. We forced a second game with Texas, but lost to them finally. 4-1 and one with Texas this year in baseball. But we weren't able to uh, get our way into the championship game. But neither was Texas Tech. So good for you, Oklahoma State. Seven of nine teams from the Big 12 made their way into the NCAA tournament. I think that's a great accomplishment. But I'm not pleased with this regional pairing. Daniel, I know you follow baseball as much as anybody on this board. What what was your take when you saw that we got paired up with Virginia and DBU to Dallas Baptist here in Fort Worth? Did you think we kind of got royally screwed by the by the uh, selection committee? Yeah, a little bit. Um, Dallas Baptist isn't too bad. That's actually a pretty good team that we've you know been with before in regionals. But uh, Virginia should have hosted themselves uh, a regional, and you know that's you know that's two really top well between Virginia and TCU. That's two top caliber teams that. One of them's not going to have a chance to even get close to Omaha when they both should have a chance because um, they're just that good. So it's it's an odd, an odd. I mean, TCU got screwed, but it, so did Virginia. It's I'm not really sure what the committee was thinking doing that. Um, but then of course we've also got Central Northwest Connecticut Tech State or whatever they are. Um, <laughs> Univers- University of Phoenix of Connecticut. Yeah. So you're. About the champions of the Northeast Conference, so and you're talking about, about my alma mater. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. No, I'm just kidding. I do. <laughs> hey, I do have family that that are my wife's side that went to that school. It's kind of crazy. Small I, world. I've heard of it. I will say this: I don't watch much baseball, but even when I was watching the uh, selection show, I was kind of like, "Man, Houston Regional is freaking tough." And then I saw the Fort Worth Regional. I was like, "Man, that's pretty. That's pretty dang." crappy of them to just throw Virginia in there where they should they should have been hosting their own like Daniel said their their own regional I mean I think Virginia's probably going to be the toughest number two seed in this tournament and you know uh, one thing I will say that their pitching's not as strong as it's been in the years past but they got a heck of an offensive club Um, you know TCU you get excited when you see that they are the number six national seed and you think man that's quite an accomplishment but then what how do they get rewarded they get Virginia sent here. I mean, I, I felt like DBU was a really good chance of being there all along, but you know, I just I, I just can't put my finger on the whole the thing with Virginia. I, it's not fair to TCU, but at the same time, you know, uh, Virginia's pretty ticked off too for not hosting. I watched a little bit of an interview with their their coach, and uh, they're coming into Fort Worth to win, and they're coming in with a chip on their shoulder, and they're pissed off. So uh, I expect that to be a heck of a regional. Um, you know, it's, it's going to be fun to watch, but, you know, Dallas Baptist could give them a, a good first game. Um, but, you know, I like the way the pitching sets up in this regional for TCU. Um, they're going to go, I, I believe, Traver first and then Janzak would go in the second game. So if Mitchell can just, you know, do what he's been doing and, and keep the ball down in the zone, um, you know, he should be okay. The good thing is Central Connecticut State is not a power-hitting team. So as long as he can keep the ball down in the zone, he should be okay. Well, both you guys, Daniel and Jeremiah, I know you watched the Big 12 tournament. Do you feel like we were able to generate any momentum going into the uh, going into the NCAA tournament? Because those were devastating losses to OU. I'm not going to lie. That was 
that was bang your head against the wall, two straight days of walk-offs. And then, you know, we go out, we take two out of three from Cal, but I didn't feel like we were at our best. Do you feel like we've been able to generate anything coming out of the Big 12 tournament that's any sense of momentum moving forward? Go ahead, Dave. Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, Janzak was kind of limited, but, um, you know, he, he tore him down. And, and then, you know, Howard comes in and throws a complete game. Um have just a couple of hits, no walks or whatever it was. And um, I, I feel like uh, they've kind of, you know, it's like when um, when they get their back to the wall, they kind of, you know, step into where they're supposed to be. And, you know, that's a, you know, top team. Um, I don't know what got in their head during, you know, that weird slump, you know, like with Oklahoma and all that. But I feel like um, when, when things are really on the line, um People, especially like uh, Brian Howard, uh, you know, they really take their game to the top that they can, <clears throat> the top level that they can, and um, and I think Traver uh, would probably do the same thing. I think he's, uh, you know, a real emotional pitcher, a lot like Brian Howard, and I think uh, we got a good shot. Uh, certainly winning the first game, so um, it'll be interesting, definitely. What do you think, Jeremiah? Yeah, I mean. It's tough. I, I'm not. I don't like to disagree with Daniel, but I don't know that they did get a lot of momentum coming out of the the Big Twelve tournament. I felt like they played well enough. I mean, you know, they came out with a winning record, and after you fall in that opening game to Kansas, you fall into the losers bracket. You know, I, I didn't expect them to come all the way out of the the losers bracket and win the whole thing, but I saw some good things. You know, I, I hope we didn't see Skalg start going back into his slump. Um, obviously, he's a streaky hitter. We know that. We've seen that. Um, but he's been to the extreme with his his streaks this year. When he's hot, he's you can't get the guy out. And when he's cold, he it's like he's just not seeing the ball well. So maybe he got that out of his system in, in the tournament, and he'll be ready to go in the regional. Um, but they're going to really need his bat with with Luke and not there. Um, you know, Austin Wade has been great and consistent. Um, you just get, you're going to have to have some other guys step up. One, I think one of the encouraging things for me is I like the way Merrill's hit at the bottom of the lineup this year, but I think Barzilli's starting to come on. He's had kind of a rough year statistically, but if, if you really look over the last you know, 10, 15, maybe 20 ball games, he's really hit the ball well. So you really need him to continue to do that. If you can get three or four guys going at the same time and uh, just, just get, get six or seven out of your starters – um, they should be pretty pretty okay in, in this uh, in this regional. Um, like, like I said, though, Virginia's that team that uh, they're going to be there until the very end. They're going to be really tough, and, and if when those two teams end up playing, that's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, I want to make a strong pitch. If you're listening to this and you can get to postseason playoff at, at Lupton Stadium, you have got to go. I mean, they'll, they'll print off tickets to let you in. They're not going to turn anybody away. You can go out there and sit on the ledge, sit in the green, sit in the bushes. There is nothing like postseason baseball. And I, I've, I've been following some people on Twitter that are like, man, we're going to get out there at noon and tailgate all day and maybe go in for the Virginia DBU game, but we'll definitely be there for the TCU game. It's going to be a great environment. A lot of people come out and go out there and get a burger, get a beer, sit, hang out in the parking lot, go into the game. You got to do that because this is this this is what the whole season is about: is postseason baseball in Fort Worth, and we got a chance to to have two straight series in Fort Worth. Get out there and support that team. They got some adversity. I know Lucan is out, but I wouldn't put put anything past this team at the, when they get put in a corner. And it's going to be a good one against Virginia, hopefully. So if you can, if you're listening to this, you got to get out there and you got to you got to support the team. Yeah, if you've ever been to a regional, uh, that's a lot of fun out there. 
Uh, the, the crowd really gets into it. You can tell they, they step it up a notch. You know, the regular season games are a lot of fun, but you, you go out there during the regional or the super regionals, and it does. It, it goes up a notch, and, and it should be a, a really fun atmosphere as long as the weather holds up this weekend. Yeah, hopefully the weather holds up. We can't have that dragging into the end of the week. We got to get that thing taken care of. So get out there and take care of business. Get out there and support the frogs. You'll love postseason baseball. So, well, uh, anything else you guys want to talk about from uh, football before we talked about the most important topic of the night? Anything else you guys have seen from the board this week? Anything else you want to share from the recruiting trail? Because I got some. Uh, I got a fun subject we're going to dig into. Well, do we have any questions from the? Uh esteemed members of Horn Frog Blitz? Oh, you know, we did. Let's see here. You guys have kind of hit on a lot of them, but let me see. I got that right here on my trusty notebook. Um, number one, if Jeremy and Jeremiah had an arm wrestling contest, who would win? Might be a stalemate. Golly. Probably. I don't even think we'd be able to finish. We'd both okay. we'd both throw our backs out. We'd be done. Tendons would fly out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here happens. All right, this is for Jeremy and Jeremiah. Go on the record. Who's the starting quarterback day one, 2018? Uh, oh snap. Well, that's that's. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna give I'm gonna give the uh, educated answer right now. I'm gonna say Sean Robinson just because he's already number two right now on the depth chart. He very well could be number one um, at some point during the season. Got the most reps out of any quarterback. Um, during spring ball or during the spring game. And Justin, is, although he's a great prospect and a very highly rated prospect, I'm just not going to anoint him as the, as the starter just because there's a lot of momentum with his commitment. So I, right now, I'm, I'm picking Sean, but that's only because he's the only one on that, that is right now competing for the job as we speak that that's where I'm at as well. You know, Sean's on campus. He's gone through a spring. He's going to have a year under his belt, you know, so I can only go on what I've seen so far. So I'm, as of right now, Sean Robinson, um, does that mean that Justin Rogers can't come in here and just blow everybody away and win the job? No, I mean, he's going to get that opportunity. That's one of the things that the TCU staff promised him is we're going to give you a shot to compete. Um, I could see a situation where Sean starts, but Justin still gets reps in that Ohio State game. So, absolutely, know, that's that's something to really look at. You know, I guess as we get once <laughs> once he actually gets on campus. But for now, I'm going to say Sean. But I, I think you're going to see Justin at least take some snaps in that game. And I know a lot of people are going to say, "Well, Sean came in here as a true freshman. Who's to say that Justin can't can't that can't." He can't come in here. I can't talk tonight. Can't come in here and do the same thing. Um, and, and I agree with that. But right now, just the educated guess, I'm just going with Sean right now. I just want to go on the record and say it's so awesome to have both these guys and uh, both these quarterbacks on the team. I mean, I know that sounds like a cliched answer, but I love that we're already talking about the impact that Rodgers could have to chase down what I thought was the biggest recruit we could have landed from the last cycle, which was the 16 and 0 state championship quarterback from DeSoto. So we're in a great right. position as frogs and uh, the, the future is bright at quarterback. And as we've known, you can never have too many healthy quarterbacks that can make a big impact. So exactly. All right. A couple other quick questions. Give me a quick update, Jeremy, uh, Julius Lewis, Austin Schlottman, Brandon Bowen. Tell me about their health. You got anything? Should be ready to go in the fall. Okay. It's crossed. The best Sounds we can good. tell you right now. 
what's going on with Big Dave? Is he going to be able to uh, play this season? Is his health going to be okay? Dave? Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. Big Dave. Sorry. You know, it's it's one of those things. Well, I, I don't know what to what to say right now. I mean, I, I hope that he gets a chance to play. It's it's tough to get some of these answers when you when you prod enough. Uh, gotcha. And that's one of the prodding I've, I've done, but I really haven't gotten any kind of, uh, you know, 100% feedback on that, whether or not he's going to be back to form. I do know that uh, he was competing at one of the tackle spots and um, until he, injury set him back a little bit. But, you know, I think he'll be ready to go. And hopefully by this fall, they have some nice uh, guys on the edge at left and right tackle. What have you heard about the development of the offensive line under uh, Coach Thompson and his new uh, – what impact is he bringing as a new staff member, specifically the offensive line where he's coaching? Uh, I mean, a lot of positive feedback. I've heard nothing but great things about uh, the way he, come, he came in and, and coached the guys in the spring. Uh, it was pretty funny the day I spent with Coach Patterson and when I was sitting in the defensive staff meeting room and he was kind of giving the defensive line coaches a hard time because Thompson had really done his research and – uh, while those guys were out recruiting in the spring, he was inside watching the film on TCU's defensive linemen, so he knew exactly how to block them with his guys. And uh, for the most part, the offensive line was getting the better part of the defensive line uh, during the early parts of spring. So, I mean, obviously uh, there's a lot of uh, buzz around him coming in and, and changing some things up. Uh, I, I know he's had a great deal of success every stop he's been at, and that's one of the reasons why Coach Patterson brought him on to the staff. It's kind of like the same kind of buzz when uh, Coach Cumbie and Coach Meacham came in and kind of resurrected that offense. The players were already there. All they needed was maybe just a change in the uh, philosophy, and that's one thing that Thompson's bringing. And uh, hopefully that uh, you know translates onto the football field in 2017. Thanks, everybody, for your questions. Uh, we post that when we know we're going to do a show. Sometimes we get to them, sometimes we can't, but appreciate you guys giving some input to, to, to get some information that you're interested in from the guys that work so hard to get it to you. One of the other things, I just saw this posted on the board, and we were talking about it before we hit uh, hit the show. Ezra Tuaua, how many times did he do 225 on bench press? 31 times? Is that what it was, Jeremiah? 31, and he made it look easy. <laughs> 31 reps at 225. Uh, he, he is a grown man. I am so excited that he is going to be um, coming on campus. That was a picture from him working out his last day out there in California. He's making his way to Fort Worth. You know, I'm just a, I'm just an old grumpy man, and I know that. But if that guy's 24, 25 years old, if you got a bar fight between an 18-year-old and a 25-year-old and they're both physically healthy, I'm going with the 25-year-old. And I'm, I cannot wait to see this guy get on the line because people are gonna people are gonna want to know why didn't our team recruit him in a year or two? And they're gonna be like, we didn't even know who he was. And this is just a beautiful example of Coach Patterson's recruitment. I can't wait to watch him play. If you haven't watched you know, that, Twitter, that video, you got to do it. Go ahead, Jeremiah. Now that was really fun to watch towards the end of the year last year. I know a lot of people felt like TC was scrambling trying to find a defensive tackle, and they were to an extent. But what you saw was the staff really just roll their sleeves up and they went digging and they found Ezra too. And that's the guy, probably one of the most underrated guys that you're going to see in the conference as a recruit. You know, um, he's, he is, like you said, he's a full grown man and he is going to be a handful for everybody that they play. And I think between him and Blacklock, you're talking about 
it's going to completely change the way that the defense plays. That's why, you know, I'm really high on uh, the defense right now. I, I think they're going to take a huge step forward. And I think it all starts right there in the trenches with Tua Ua, Blacklock, the, the younger defense, uh, you know, bigger defensive linemen that they've got. And I think with the experience of secondary and, and, and linebacker now, this defense is going to be fun to watch. But, Man, what a find. That guy was – you talk about just out of nowhere. I mean, that, that's a great find for that the was, staff. That was one of those guys that you better not say a word about him because yeah. no one <laughs> wanted this name to get out there. And it's funny because you try to keep those things secret, and then when the kid starts tweeting that he's on campus, everyone's like, who's this kid? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Who, you and know, how didn't we know about this kid? Old oh, Miss offers him immediately. Yeah, immediately. That's, <laughs> that, that's just how recruiting works. And – you know, Texas Tech wanted to offer, but the kid probably committed to TCU before they could even talk to him. But yeah. that's how that's how they uh, roll out there in the Lano Estacado. I love it. You know, I'm going to agree with you there, Jeremiah. That defensive line is going to be so much better. And, uh, man, you go back to 2014 when you got Chucky Hunter and Davion Pearson, both over 300 pounds, both machines. They knew what they were doing. I cannot wait to see Blacklock and Tua Ua up there up front, especially with them having two years to play together. That's going to be something special. I think they're going to be able to make the impact that, that, that was frankly missing last year. No disrespect to the guys that were playing there on the defensive line. Well, if you look at the past years when TCU's really had good defenses, it starts in the middle at defensive mm-hmm. tackle. And right now, the strength on the defensive line is going to be in the middle. The the end still got to come around. They've got a, uh, you know, a couple great players, Matt Bolson. They got uh, Ben uh, Bonagoo, um, Bonagoo, the transfer, uh, and he he did really well this spring. So, uh, you know, they they've got some growing up to do behind those two guys at defensive end. But the middle is going to be really stacked. Um, not only with Blacklock, you've got uh, Tua Ua, you've got. Uh, Big Joe Broadnax, you've got uh, Chris Bradley that's hey, coming LJ back. Got, LJ Collier. This year. So you've you've got a lot of a lot of great players right there in the middle that have a chance, and not to mention the, the a lot of the 2016 guys that are going to be coming in and, and adding even more depth. So really exciting to look to to look at where the defensive line is in the middle compared to a year ago. Yeah, I think we can all agree August and September can't get here soon enough. So I think we're going to be strong on the defensive line. Cautiously optimistic, as they would say. So, Well, if you didn't see an article about the 50 best barbecue places in the state of Texas, you need to go take a look at it. And we thought we would pay homage to that just to wrap up our show here tonight. And ne- next show, we might talk about the, the the best bourbon and best whiskey you can get in honor of all the whiskey drinkers on the board. But we're all barbecue eaters. And if you're a vegetarian, you're probably not a college football fan. So I thought we'd do, uh, just do a little uh, – I say that. Forgive me. I say um, I thought we'd just do a little quick hit here. Everybody give their input. What's the best barbecue joint maybe that you've ever been to, maybe the best one in Fort Worth? And then more importantly, what go, what are the essentials – of a good barbecue shop so that uh, you can, you can kind of have a, the, the, the selective eye so that you know that you're making your set your, your way into a good barbecue joint. Jeremy, you were the one that was so adamant about this when I brought it up. So tell me what, what, where are you going to go get some good barbecue in DFW? Well, I'm going to go, I'm going to say a place that's close to my house first. I love Woody Creek out here in Springtown. They've got two locations, uh, one in Fort Worth, one in Springtown. Uh, that's only about 15 minute drive for me. I love going out there. It's just kind of a, a family-owned business. Been around for a long time. Have, have great brisket. Have great sausage. Um, I love Woody Creek, but I will say I went to Heim Barbecue. Uh, I guess about a month ago, 
And that might be my new favorite place. And I'm not just jumping on because that's the cool thing to do is talk about how good Heim barbecue is. It really was good. And if you don't get there early, you're going to be starving because they run out of food and uh, too bad. That's I mean, what that's, happened that's to a, me the other night. I had been wanting to go try Heim for so long. And so my wife and I decided we're going to drive out there and check it out. We got there, line all the way out the door, and they were out of everything but brisket. And I could have stayed for the brisket. But I already had my heart set on having a little bit of everything, especially the bacon burnt ends that I've heard so much about. And that was great. I so, so I was pretty disappointed, but I am going to go back and check that out. But, yeah, still have not had Heim. So that's that's on my list. I had that. I had the black pepper sausage, which was great. Um, a lot of people talk about the, the macaroni and cheese I think they have. And I had the, uh, the beans there, which were Pretty good, I, you know. Beans are beans, but man, these were really good. Um, I I definitely love that place. Another place that is really not local. I, when I went out to San Angelo uh, two years ago, went out there to see Brennan Wooten um, play against uh, Midland, and his his family took me to a barbecue place, and I cannot remember the name of it, but it's about the size of a bedroom. Really great barbecue. I'm sure the people out in West Texas and San Angelo know exactly what I'm talking about. It's not too far from the stadium down there, but I mean, I'm a I'm a barbecue fan. And you're when you're a guy trying to lose weight, and you walk by a barbecue joint and you just smell a, a, a good smelling brisket or a sausage. I'm a brisket guy. If you don't have good brisket, I mean, I'm just walking right back out. I mean, that's that's. Have you what guys it is. ever had uh, Billy's Oak Acres? In Fort Worth? No. I have That's, not either. Tell us about it. Where's very, that at? It's very, very good. The one There's one off of Las Vegas Trail. I know they've got another location, too, but I'm not sure where that one is. Um, but they catered into our office here a couple of weeks ago. And that was, I say a couple of weeks ago. Gosh, it's been a couple of months now. But that was the best brisket I've ever had in my life. So I'm a brisket guy, too. I love a good brisket. And that was by far the best brisket I'd ever had. So if you haven't tried Billy's Oak Acres, that's that's a really good spot. Daniel, I, when I was when I was living in Alito many years ago, the place I would go to is Old Jerry's Barbecue. I know it's been closed over ten years now, but you live out there in Alito. What's a good spot that we can that you want to take us to if we're going to hit hit up barbecue with you? Dickies. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, I was about to say I, man. I, I mean, we're going to have to hit the bleep button. Right <laughs> I wasn't going to hate on you, but I was like, all right, man, that's what you want. No, that's that's horrible. Um, it's like saying I go to Walmart to get dressed for prom. <laughs> uh, we'd like to take this time to apologize to Dickie's Barbecue for any future sponsorship of Horn Frog. Well, they should apologize to the public. Um, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, Jerry's been gone a long time. In fact, I think he died not too long ago. Um, uh, hey, uh, is that Woody's Creek in Fort Worth? Is that over by Ridgemar Mall? Yeah, 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 it is. Okay, yeah, I know of it. I'll have to get out a try. Um, I don't have anywhere special. Uh, I still haven't tried Heim. Um, there's a. Uh, I like to hit up, uh, you know, just Railhead, uh, and. I don't know of any like hole in the wall kind of place really that I can think of because um, I just don't get out much anymore. So, uh, you know, Railhead's a great place to TCU friendly and stuff. Uh, I used to go to Angelo's. I don't think they're that good anymore. So, you know, you can't go. Be disappointed for that one. 
Yeah, you can't go wrong with Railhead. I'm still I'm still biased to Railhead. They are, they still have really good Shiner Box. So, you know, when I was when I was in seminary, the first couple of years, I was living in White Settlement off a of Las Vegas Trail, actually. And there was a little place that's buried you know, off of Clifford Street in White Settlement called uh, Soda Springs Barbecue. And they have barbecue, catfish, brisket, sausage. And the best thing is they had dessert. So with every meal, you, you had an opportunity and some options for dessert. And I think I put on about 25 pounds in seminary because I could go up there with a $10 bill and I could eat enough for that to be my meal for the for the next 24 hours. So if you want just like a local place that's not going to make anybody's top 50 it's a local business. They got good barbecue. They've been doing it for years. It's been there as long as I can remember. Uh, Soda Springs Barbecue and White Settlement off of Clifford Street. That's a great place to go. It's just off of 820 out there on the West Loop when you cross past Carswell and past the lake. So that, that's that's a good spot that I that I would tell you to go to. I will say Heim is they've been they've been they're pretty active on Twitter and they like a lot of the stuff that we posted on the Frogcast. They've retweeted some things. They've had some derogatory comments about Baylor. So I mean, they're about as huh. close as you can get uh, to like an official that. sponsorship. I know you gotta maybe, love that. Maybe a uh, Horn Frog Blitz luncheon over there, maybe one one of these days. Let uh, me ask I'm you guys this: uh, Would you go to? And I hear all the stuff down at Franklin's, and I everyone tells me it's the greatest barbecue they've ever eaten in their lives. But could you guys possibly wait two to three hours for a good barbecue? Mm, I wouldn't wait two to three hours for bad barbecue. No, no way. It's no way. I wouldn't do that. Yeah. You couldn't get me to do that. But you know, it's, you know, Franklin is one of those places you, you go to say you went, you know, you tell everybody that you stood in line and you can't, you couldn't give me, you know, if it was free, I wouldn't do that. That's, that's just ridiculous. And anyway, it's, it's, yeah, that's just not what it's supposed to be like. No, I'm with you guys. I, I love good barbecue as much as a nice guy, but I'm not waiting for my food. I mean, I'd <laughs> I'd be killing people in line to get ahead. <laughs> Jeremiah is a food connoisseur. Like he, this guy knows about the good eating places in in, in around Fort Worth. And when you go no. eat lunch with this guy or dinner, yeah. this guy will inspect his plate like you have never <laughs> seen. I mean, he will inspect every last bit of that plate. And I always tease him about it, but he, you know, he always has good responses. But I always, I always call and ask him, and he can tell you right now. I always call and ask him if he's been to this place, what's the food like, and so when Jeremiah tells you about a good food place, you better listen to him. Well, that's about thirty pounds ago. Whenever I was eating like that, like that all the time, but yeah, I mean, I, I love all kinds of foods. I love barbecue, but I do. I like any kind of food. I'll try anything once. So, you know, cool. I've. I've heard that the Pecan Lodge in Deep Ellum is an amazing place. I don't know if you guys have ever been there, but I, mm. I, I, I want to hit that place up this summer when I'm down there. But Pecan Lodge is, is pretty well recommended. I don't know if you guys follow Andy Staples. He does college football for Sports Illustrated. Oh, yeah. But he's yeah. he's a connoisseur of barbecue as well. And I, I, he gets paid to cover college football and eat out, which I think is, you know, clearly he's God's favorite person. So I've, he, he's big on the Pecan Lodge. I might have to hit that up one of these days. So. Never heard of it. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, you got you got to check it out. But it says that people will wait thirty minutes to get there, uh, to, to to stand in line to get their food, and I think that's ridiculous. So, that's ridiculous. I've got like two criteria, two or three criteria. If it's a new barbecue place that I've never been into, you know, the cook has to have type two diabetes. You know, <laughs> the the bathrooms have to be filthy. 
and they, they have like two beers, Shiner and Lone Star. That's it. Those are the only, if that if you walk in and all of that has been met, you know you're going to have a good you know you're going to have a good barbecue. It's not going to make anybody's top fifty list. You're not going to wait in line around the block in Austin with everybody in their skinny jeans, but you know it's a good place. So, <laughs> what was that place called? There used to be a place out between Springtown and Weatherford off of Fifty One. It was like a little shack. Did you ever? I can't even remember the name. That was actually probably the best barbecue I've ever had in my life. Was it the sh- the shed or the smokehouse? Or I can't remember what I don't it was. Remember. It was literally, it was like the size of your dining room. I mean, you walked in and there was like one table. Um, but that we would stop in there all the time, and that's some of the best barbecue I've ever had in my life. But I think that's been closed for like fifteen years or so. Yeah. I don't remember that. I lived out in Alito for years. I don't remember. I used to go up through Weatherford Springtown all the time. I don't remember that. If you were driving by, you would think it was somebody's like shed. Literally, it was. They had no signage. It was like just. It was probably a good you know hundred feet off the road. So you would not have even known it was there unless somebody told you. You pointed it out to you. That's the best place though. Yeah, they are. Now, if somebody's listening to this, uh, send me a DM and tell me. I can't remember the name of this place. I don't even know if I had a name. But it was Mexican food. We're really derailed here. It was on the north side, buried, you know, six or seven blocks off the of stockyards. And you just, it was a house. It was a it was a it was an old woman, a Mexican woman who barely spoke any English, and it was just her. And she would cook all the food, and there was just like a jar, and you put a ten dollar bill in, and you could eat whatever you want, but you had to wash your own plate when it was over. I went there twice. And I, I could, I could, I can't find the place to save myself now. And I went with this guy that was a lawyer. I mean, like he was downtown lawyer, knew what he was doing. And he's like, "Oh, we're going to go to this filthy place that uh, hasn't passed the health code in years." And it was so good. Oh, that place was so. So if anybody was eating at like an illegal kitchen that was clearly not passing any health code and had no certificate of business, uh, please let me know. I'd love to find that place again. <laughs> so. All right, I think we've officially reached the dead end of this podcast. So. From Justin Rogers to Mexican food, illegal Mexican food. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Somebody had a had a kitchen they shouldn't have, but oh well. Like, you know, that's big government regulation. If I can't sell unhealthy food to people with no consequences, this isn't a free country. So, all right, guys, I think we had a lot to talk about tonight. Um, we're going to be back on again soon. We're going to um, hopefully uh, get some more folks that might be able to come on the show in the near future. We want to we want to broaden our horizons and be able to talk about some more TCU football and get some folks that have a passion for that. Get out there and support the baseball team. Anything else you guys want to share wrapping up? We're good. We're I'm good. Hungry. I am. Yeah. <laughs> I am too. Well, next show we're going to talk about uh, bourbon and whiskey. We'll we'll do that to kind of wrap up and. We'll all want to drink when it's over. Hopefully you don't want to drink when this podcast is over. So for Daniel, for Jeremy and Jeremiah, I'm Jeff Mitchell. Thank you so much for listening to the broadcast.